0: Good morning. Oh, that's on. That's, I was wondering if it was going to be on. That's on. Today's June 25th, 2023. I believe that's true. Um, it is. It is. Amy's going to be preaching. I'm officiating Dan and Kim's wedding later this afternoon. So it can go as long as we want it to, right? Right? This is going to be one of those services that I think we're going to be in for a blessings and treats and ups and downs and rollercoaster ride of worship in Jesus following, following uh, living out God's love and um, transforming community by the Holy Spirit. A um, couple announcements. One is Amy's preaching. I already said that, I think. Next week we will have worship service. I'll be back in the pulpit. And then the next week after that, Reverend Sharon Yeagerliner will be preaching because Malia and I will be visiting her parents and celebrating her birthday out in Cape Coral, Florida. So I'm just keeping you posted. Um, make sure that you stick around after the service. Teammate uh, Rob is moving on, and we are, we as a session voted to combine the two part-time children's ministry director and student ministries director into a full-time position And we're just going to celebrate the groundwork and the foundation that Rob, well, actually God through Rob has laid here. Um, So, and I saw the cake and it looks delicious. (laughs) Make sure, I've forgotten to announce this every time, and people are starting to get angry at me again. So, (laughs) fill out your name and address if you're new, and during the, uh, after the service, Drop it in the the plate on your way out. Since I am not preaching, this is the first time Danny and I are saying "Hey" to each other. Hey, glad you're here, brother. Um, before I get us meeting and greeting, um, Drinda Frenzel, may I ask you to come up here, please? In round of applause, everybody recognizes this, this woman. We are um, going to miss you, and the choir has gotten you some flowers. And um, would you tell us why we're celebrating you, or why where are you headed?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, it's not the little girl's room, but <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, thank you. I I am. So, Speechless, and that's pretty rare. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful.
2: This, this is for years
3: of working with us as guest conductor, as uh, vocal coach,
1: as uh, ringer in The Sopranos, and just a friend. And she keeps us laughing because she believes... <laughs> God has a sense of
3: humor, and she believes that we should laugh, particularly at ourselves.
1: <laughs> so, and she also likes bells. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Thank, you, so much. Oh, thank uh, you. Thank
0: you. Where are you headed? I-
1: uh, I'm uh, headed to Tennessee, uh, Franklin, Tennessee, about 30 minutes uh, south of Nashville. Uh, I've lived in California all my life. And I've been a, a singer and musician and director and teacher and a music teacher and uh, my whole life here. But my son, I only have one. He has five. He made up for no siblings. <laughs> and uh, they are in Franklin for the last eight years. So it's kind of uh, my turn to be able to spend more time with them in a very joyful way. That I haven't been able to for the last uh, eight years or so, um, having taken care of my husband, who was very ill. But uh, it's just been such a special time for me to be in this place with all of you, and especially with all of you over here in in the loft. And with Micah and with Cornell, um, they have been so welcoming and warm and supportive and loving to me, and it means a great deal to me to be in this place. Uh, so I wish you all Godspeed and health and joy every day, because we don't know if today is coming, tomorrow is coming, or not. So love this day.
0: Thank right on. You. You're welcome. Would you mind if I just, everybody just point your hands in this direction. I'm going to pray over Drenda, and we're going to kick off this worship service. God, I just thank you so much uh, for the life and ministry of Drenda. And as she moves east, I pray that she would bring your joy like she's brought your joy to this place. Um, Go before her and lay the foundation. Um, You're an amazing God. And all God's people said, Amen. Actually, let's meet and greet each other. and give. All right. I'm sure most of you have already sat down, but I'm going to stand you back up. I'm going to call us to worship using Psalm 86. And it's going to be out of the King James Version to keep all you King James people happy. Here it is. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee for thou wilt answer me among the gods there is none unto thee like unto thee o lord neither are there any works like unto thy works all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee o lord and shall glorify thy name for thou art great and doest wondrous things thou art god alone. Let's worship the triune God of the Bible who is God alone.
4: church was going through something. I believe it was in England at the time. You know, churches go through these things often where we forget why we do what we do, you know, where we make it about ourselves. It's real easy to do sometimes. We live in a capitalistic society, which is really like a survivalistic society. Me, 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 me. Make money, don't make money. If you don't make money, you don't survive. And so we have a tendency to look out for ourselves and not for one another. And... This church had gotten into this situation where they had made it about the pews and the carpet and the budgets and themselves. And so Matt wrote a song when he was away from church one day called The Heart of Worship. And he brought it into church and he said, until we stop making things about ourselves and we remember why we're doing what we're doing, which is to understand that God made us and we're here to worship God, which in essence means keeping our focus on the creator of all things. That's really what worship is. We're not going to sing any other song. And I don't remember how many months they sang just this song and no other song but this song in their church. And a lot of people don't know the history of that song, But as soon as we start singing it, you'll know what it is. Imagine if this is the only song you sang for months on end and did nothing else in church.
5: It goes like this. When the music fades All this stripped away And I simply come Longing just to Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. much you deserve, though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single much deeper within, through Through the way way things appear, appear, you're looking into my heart. to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made, but it's all about you. It's all about you.
0: all right it says praise and prayers for rob scroggins it's a uh, come on up rob and as he's coming up i just want to kick off praise and i'm gonna just open it up and have you shout from wherever you're at things you're grateful for for rob barbecue Barbecue. <laughs> somebody else games for kids Faithful work for the youth. Somebody said something back there. Consistency. Okay, maybe we should do a drawing numbers system. (laughs) Consistency. Leadership. Servant. Keeping everybody together. together. Hair. Hair. There's nothing more rock and roll than Rob Scroggins' hair. Uh, And coming from your team leader or boss or whatever friend um you've been here how many years
4: uh i first walked through those doors in uh, august of 1996 so i was 18 years old so that was 27 years
0: 27 years he's been around this out. hold on for the applause hold on for the applause and then you started working when Seven. A little over seven. Do you realize the rarity of that? The average youth pastor serves eight months. Eight months. Uh, somebody said consistency, and that screams fidelity, and that, uh, and especially through a pandemic. I know so many pastor friends of mine's their youth pastor cut and run right when you can't meet together as kids. I'm out, um, would you guys just, actually, students, come on up here and surround him, put your hands on him, we're going to pray over him, and make sure you celebrate him after the service, because this is nice, and we're dumping praises on him, but make sure he hears from you individually after the service, it means a lot more. Um, Heavenly Father, Precious Lord Jesus, Powerful Spirit, praise you for the fidelity, um, the love of you and the love of the students at this local outpost by this man. I pray that you would continue to use, guide, and direct him. And may his wake be as positive wherever he goes as it is here. And all God's people said, Yeah, everybody stand up and applaud as he walks out. I just think he earned that, and students and children you are dismissed. I think we got the words up here to the prayer of confession, and as um, and I'm on the prayer of confession right now, right? Um, have you had any Have you had any experience with AA? Me too. Um, And what's the the first step is absolutely essential. It's the recognition that you're powerless. For alcoholics, it's against alcohol. For sinners like you and I, it's against sin. It's a biblically-based system. And that's what this prayer confession is all about. The other day... um, Somebody wrote in one of those fellowship pads. They signed in as sinner. And that's what this prayer confession is about. We drop it. We say, "Hi, my name is Jason and I'm a sinner." And you plug in your name. You don't you're not all named Jason. You get it, right? Let's confess together. I think it's up there. Yeah. Merciful God, in your gracious presence we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. It says in scripture, if we're faithful and just, and this is actually the healing power that AA has. James, he says the secret recipe. You confess your sins to one another and to God and the holy spirit shows up and heals you in the name of jesus christ i say and the word of god says we are forgiven let's sing stand and sing gloria patri <laughs>
6: you, choir. Thank you, Drinda. That was beautiful. Oh, good morning. So, fun fact, do you know how many words are in the English language? Okay, according to Google, (laughs) about a million, but give or take 250,000 the number of words in our total vocabulary. So I'm new to ChatGPT. I don't know if anyone else is playing with this new platform. Um, So I asked ChatGPT and this is what ChatGPT said. The exact number of words in the English language is challenging due to factors such as regional variations, slang, technical terminology, and the constant evolution of language. But it is estimated that there are over 170,000 words in our current vocabulary. So my hypothesis for you this morning is that out of a million words in our total vocabulary or 170,000 words in our current vocabulary, there is only one word that matters, one word that can transform our lives. One word that can radically change the entire world. And this word can eradicate poverty. And this word can eradicate wars and feuds and disagreements. And this word can get rid of hopelessness and depression and loneliness This word can literally transform not only our current relationships but the world around us if we just put it into action. So what did the evil one do? He watered down the meaning of this word in English to take this mighty word and render it almost meaningless. Now, I don't want you to say anything, but by show of hands, how many people think they know the word that I am referring to? Don't say anything. Give me just a little bit of latitude. About two weeks ago, I got a late night text from my dad's best friend, Jim. He let me know that his wife Angela had been airlifted from their home in rural central California to a hospital in Santa Barbara. An aneurysm had burst. The situation was critical. I got up out of bed, texted him, I'm praying, and went to prayer. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And my prayers became so big, they literally could not be contained. So I got out of bed and I walked and I prayed. I paced the house and I prayed. I paced the house and I prayed. And there was a moment where I heard from the Holy Spirit, Love wins. I did not know if Angela would be okay, but I knew. I knew I had heard truth spoken. Love wins. So, three days ago, Angela did go home surrounded by family and has a very good prognosis from her doctors. Love wins. I will also confess to you that the sermon that I am preaching today is not the sermon that I have been preparing for for a month. Because when you hear, when I hear from the Holy Spirit, I have to listen. Love wins. The only word, the one and only word out of 170,000 current words in the English language that matters is love, because love wins. Will you please pray with me? Holy and loving God, we love you. Because you first loved us. As we pause from our daily lives to be here and worship together, we can literally feel your spirit in this place. Open our ears to hear from you today. Love wins. Teach us to listen to you today. Love wins. And show us how to open ourselves up in ways that we have never considered to love one another as you have loved us. Lord, I pray that you will transform the human words from my mouth to be truly your words for us today. In the precious name of our risen and reigning Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. The text this morning comes from the chapter, 13th chapter of John. It is short, but my friends, we will take the rest of our lives to unpack this. Please open your Bibles, beginning in verse 34. I give you a new commandment. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. A new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. There's only one word that matters. And love wins. No surprise that the Greek word for love here is agape. In over one million words in our English vocabulary, we do not have a word that even comes close to the meaning of agape. A selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. Agape is the love that God has for his humanity. And it is also the love that Jesus inspires in each one of us. I dare say Jesus expects from each one of us. Agape goes far beyond romantic love or familial love because, let's face it, it's easy to love those that love us. It's easy to love those who are like us. But agape extends to a universal, all-encompassing love that transcends our personal preferences and interests. Agape is the love of the will. It is an intentional and a conscious choice. It doesn't just happen and it is not love at first sight. Agape is a deliberate choice that we make. To set this verse in these verses in context, just before verses 34 and 35, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. The very act of a teacher bowing down to wash his disciples' feet filthy, dirty, disgusting feet by itself shows the intentionality and the sacrificial love that Jesus had for his disciples. Just following the foot washing, Jesus predicts that Judas will betray him. He could have stopped Judas right there His disciples would have stopped him. He could have had him arrested, but he didn't. He let him go and do what he must. And I wonder, had Jesus already forgiven Judas? We've cheapened the word love in our English language, And we banter it around and we're rendering it almost meaningless. We love our spouse or our partner, of course we do. But we also love a movie or a television show. We love our kids and our grandkids, of course we do. But we also love a particular car or love a certain flower. For goodness sakes, we even love pizza. What's that about? <laughs> Agape is a selfless love. It involves a deep sense of compassion and empathy towards one another. It seeks to understand and relate to the experiences and the joys and the struggles of each other. And it challenges us to foster a genuine connection with each other. Agape is a sacrificial love. It puts the needs and the well-being of others above our own, and it doesn't expect anything, anything in return. Agape is an unconditional love that is not dependent on the worthiness of its recipient. The closest that most of us have to unconditional love is the love that we have for our children. But if we're really honest, that has conditions too. The love that Jesus speaks of is freely given regardless of the shortcomings of the person being loved. Agape is not merely a feeling. It is definitely not sentiment. And it is defined by our intentional actions and deeds that promote the care and flourishing of others. It is a love that actively seeks to serve, support, and uplift one another. Do you remember the old Nike saying, slogan? Just do it. Well, guys, women friends, brothers, sisters, just do it. Just love. We won't make a difference in our lives or in the world if we don't just do it. Wherever we are, there is someone in front of us, someone next to us, someone behind us that needs our love. And more than ever, more than ever in this time and place, God needs us to be bold and active. The concept of agape love extends beyond interpersonal relationships and it can be seen as a guiding principle for ethical behavior and social justice. It challenges us to extend love and compassion to all regardless of societal barriers and to truly understand The love, the agape that Jesus preached, we cannot separate it from social justice. This agape love that Jesus preached of was radical, radical at his time. Men and women together in worship, slave and free, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile together bringing forth God's plan and purpose— My first real job was at Crown Books, the one that used to be on Brookhurst Adams, for those of you who are longtime residents of this area. And my assistant manager back then was Marcy Keeney. You know her as Marcy Mansour. In 1980-81, there was a very, very popular book, a little red paperback called Love, by Leo Buscaglia, a USC professor and a best-selling author. Although it is not a Christian book, it explores the multifaceted nature of love, delving into its transformative power and its role in fostering meaningful connections. Buscaglia highlights that love is not limited to romantic relationship, but encompasses all forms of human Connection, including friendships, familial bonds, and acts of compassion towards strangers. One of the central messages of the book is the importance of actively practicing love. Buscalia encourages us to cultivate love through acts of kindness, empathy, and understanding. And he emphasizes that love requires effort, commitment, and a willingness from us to grow and change. But he also addresses the common obstacles to love. Fear, judgment, the need for control. And he encourages his readers to confront those obstacles And embrace love as a transformative force that can bring about healing, joy, and fulfillment. For Jesus, love was not a sweet, sentimental feeling. It meant action. It meant actively loving, putting one's love into the world actively. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Interestingly, Jesus only speaks of agape love 13 times. But in the New Testament, agape is referred to 106 times. However, agape is resonant with many other words that demonstrate love through action like forgiveness, kindness, patience, gentleness, repentance, mercy, encouragement, fellowship. All of these words are motivated by love and become ways for Christians to express unconditional love to each other and to the world. So I ask, with all of these references, to Agape Love and the Bible, and all of the many, many books that have been written about the transformative power of love, why does the world around us look bleak and disconnected, lonely, and even angry? My friends, we're the problem. It stops and starts with each one of us. Is there anyone in this room, and I'm looking for a show of hands, that think they have the love thing figured out? Is there anyone who feels like they have mastered love? Is there anyone who thinks they love enough? Or dare I say more than enough? We are the problem And we're also the solution in the crazy way that only God can do. There's only one word that matters, and each one of us are capable of demonstrating agape love every day and in every interaction, loving deep in relationships that we're already in, and loving wide to encompass everybody that we cross paths paths with, and loving high, so high that we reach heaven and worship God at his throne. What more are we waiting for? How much clearer does Jesus need to be than to love one another just as he has loved us with everything he has, including his own life? So we must Love one another. This is a command of the God all of us profess to worship. Can it be more obvious? But just in case it's not obvious, let's look at Mark twelve thirty and 31, when Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And if that's not enough, what about Matthew 5, 43 and 44, when Jesus says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I can keep going if you like, or you can concede that I've made my point. If Jesus is so clear about loving, why are most of us not practicing love more? Most of us, I'm looking around, have been in the church for decades. Shouldn't we be fantastic at love by now? Myself included. You only have to turn on the news or drive down Harbor Boulevard to see how broken this world is. My friends, we have the answer it's love. Love extravagantly, love often, love more. There are people nearby who are experiencing poverty, food scarcity, and are unhoused. Love them. The educational system is broken when 65% of our fourth graders read below grade level. Love. There is a base of tribalism all around us, and camp lines are being drawn, and you're either in or you're out. Love. Inequities of all kinds in all spheres exist. Love. According to Harvard University and the Making Caring Common Project, 36% of American adults, including 61% of young adults, are profoundly lonely. Profoundly lonely. Love. Maybe you are one of them. Love. I'm not trying to make light of complex issues. I'm not. We have to start somewhere. And I'm saying we need to be intentional. And if we're not going to choose to be a part of the solutions then by default, we are a part of the problem. We need to start somewhere, and today, not tomorrow. Jason preached on 1 Corinthians 13 three weeks ago, and he's literally giving us today the application again. First Corinthians 13 is the how-to book. If you say, I don't know how to love, here's the how-to book. Love is patient. Be more patient. Love is kind. Be more kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. That part's up to us. Because outside, in the world, it sure feels like love has taken a permanent vacation. I heard it said that the author of this gospel, John, in his old age would remind those around him to love one another. Of course he did. He was one of Jesus' best friends. When questioned why he told them this so often, he said this, Because it is what our Lord commanded. And if it is all you do, It is enough. When we wake up tomorrow morning, join me in starting the day with intentionality. Let's begin by thanking God for a good night's sleep. Thanking him that we woke up. And then let's take a moment for worship. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then... Ask him, who do you want me to love today, Lord? Who do you want me to call? Who do you want me to offer a ride to? Who do you want me to bake a loaf of bread for? Who do you want me to forgive? Ouch. Who do you want me to forgive? Peter was ready to brandish his sword and protect Jesus when the crowd came for him at Gethsemane. But hours later, just a few hours later, as Jesus predicted, Peter would deny him three times. And then in John 21, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter responded, Oh Lord, you know I love you. If Jesus can forgive Peter, his best friend, along with John, that disappointed him when he needed him the most, then how do we justify holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness? I'm not sure that we can successfully love if we continue to hold in our fist unforgiveness and blame. Love has the power to break down barriers, to heal wounds, to reconcile relationships, and to transform us. And as we are transformed, we can't help but transform the world around us. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. To love like Jesus commands is unrestricted and unrestrained and an unconditional type of love. When we put this love into action, our love for one another becomes this powerful witness for the world. And our love will become our trademark, how we are known. I want us to be a church that loves. I see a day when the love that we have can no longer be held in these walls and on this campus, and I see the love spilling onto Fairview and onto the cars driving by, and I see the love continuing over to OCC's campus and touching the students and the faculty there, and I see the love going this way to the soccer field, to the students and the spectators, and on to Costa Mesa High School, and to the neighborhoods and the communities in this area and to the cities beyond, the only word that really matters is love. Join me in this vision. Join me in this vision. Join me in praying for revival to start right here. And according to John, if love is all that we do, it will be enough. And I would add, in this world, it'll be more than enough. Please pray with me. Precious Father, loving Jesus, merciful Spirit, seal these truths on our hearts this morning. Mold us into people you purposefully created us to be, people that love one another unabashedly and intentionally, First Corinthians people that don't hold grudges, that give sacrificially of our time, treasures, and talents. May your spirit rest heavily on us, and may we leave here transformed and ready for action. Brand the only word that really matters on our minds, on our hearts, on our wills, and on our strength, that we never forget love, and that your love wins. Call us up, Lord. It's our turn to love as the world has never seen before with small acts of kindness and mercy that begin to replicate and grow and spill out into the world around us. Use us, Lord, to be a part of your plan that one day when we meet you face to face, we too will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. May it be so. All of this for your glory and honor, we pray in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you very much, Amy. Um, Now, as part of the service, we pray over these tithes and offerings. Um, And so I'll do so. God, I just thank you so much for blessing and keeping us. I, I thank you so much for the love that you have poured out upon us. Like Amy called us to, through your word, the proclamation of your word. May our gratitude and our love of one another be our trademark. And I pray that these tithes and these offerings and these gifts would go towards that. And all God's people said, this morning's tithes and offerings are now received.
5: Can't
3: The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Never ceases. The word never is what gives us hope. Never end. Never cease. No matter what we do. So we know that we can come to God in prayer at any time. With our joys, our sorrows, our concerns, and know that we will be heard. We now go before our loving God in a time of prayer, knowing we will be heard. Pray with me. God of wonders, in many and wondrous ways you speak to us. We give thanks that you speak to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We give thanks that you speak through people, places, and things in our lives. We give you thanks that you have promised you will never leave or forsake us. You are never far from us. What a remarkable thought. If we but pause and take a moment We can sense that you are near. We praise you for your works in our midst and will honor your name among the nations. We are thankful for your comforting presence during times that try our faith. You have shown how you accompany people in their wilderness wanderings. We need only rely on your guidance and trust in your promise. We need only trust in you. We pray now for your guidance as we go about our daily lives. Amidst the many demands of the day, help us to listen for your voice and bow to your desires. We pray for this church, for the church universal, and for the Presbyterian church in these changing times. Guide your people as decisions are made and old truths are challenged. We pray for the session meeting this week. Unite us as one people gathered to serve in your name. Give them direction and focus. We pray for our world and all the challenges of the nations. Help people to live together in unity respecting each other, and working together toward a more peaceful world. We pray for our country and for our governments, national and local, that justice may be fulfilled and that all citizens be led to contribute to the common good, curb the violence that we see so often in our society, Help people to see the sanctity of human life and the value you place on every individual and to respond in like manner. As campaigning begins again, we pray that you guide and direct this process. We pray for the sections of our country being hit with heat and hail, storms and violent weather, Grant protection to the vulnerable and relief from the elements to all. Gentle shepherd to your tender care, we commend all who are in sorrow, trouble, sickness, or want, especially remembering those who are not worshiping with us as they usually do because of health struggles. Be with those who bear the burdens of those they love. Open our eyes to the needs around us and open our hearts to respond as you would have us do, that we may be doers of your word. May we who enjoy good health or have experienced recovery or healing give you honor and thanks. We pray this morning for Maisie and her family as they travel to Ireland to lay Lewis to rest. Give them the strength of your presence as they complete this difficult journey. Give them peace, we pray. We pray this week for Kevin as he has his surgery to remove the cancers from his body. We pray for guidance of his surgeons and for healing of this disease. We pray for Linda and Susan and other family members as they support him through this time. We pray that he feels your presence and is encouraged. We continue to pray for Patty and Buzz and Keith and Jim, for we know you have called us to pray and keep on praying, and so we do. We ask for healing. Gracious God, because you have called us your children, we are bold to ask for what we need Confident in your goodness through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, would you please stand as we sing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
6: million words in the English language, a million, and only one word matters. As John said, if all we do is love, then to love is enough. Go forward this week with the intention to love and love deep and love
3: wide,
6: and love high. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today, tomorrow, this week. May it be so.